0: Today's program has been brought to you by GreatBrewers.com, a social media marketing platform dedicated to promoting the world's great brewers and the beers they create. For more information, visit GreatBrewers.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more.
1: Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. It's March 18th, 2014. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43 and the Good Beer Seal in New York City. Got a great show for you tonight. We've got a a new brewery from Queens, Finback. And uh, an old friend, Clay Gordon uh, from Discover Chocolate, who'll do some chocolate and beer pairings. And uh, and Dave from uh, Urban Oyster, who's going to talk about uh, some new brewery tours. So uh, New York City Beer Week was a couple weeks ago, and uh, we've all recovered. Um, but, you know, there's more breweries opening than ever in New York City. And, and, and first, Dave from uh, Urban Oyster, you do some great tours in New York. You're kicking off uh, with a tour of New York City breweries. Tell us some of the breweries that you're visiting.
2: So, yeah, we launched uh, just this a couple weeks ago during Beer Week, and we're going eventually to all 14 breweries that are operating in New York City limits. So every week, every Saturday, we're going to run a different tour. Every tour is going to go to different breweries. So, for example, this Saturday... Uh, we have a tour lined up. We're going to um, Palana House in Manhattan, Six Point Craft Ales. We're going over to uh, Dirk the Norseman slash Greenpoint Beer and Ale Company in, um, uh, in Greenpoint and then finishing up at 508 Gastro Brewery with Chris and his beers. So.
1: All right. So how, how did you uh, – well, tell us about your background. You, you, you've done a lot of tours, beer tours around the city.
2: Yeah, Urban Oyster, we got started back in uh, 2009, and our very first tour was about beer. It was all about the history of beer in New York, particularly in Brooklyn, with our Brewed in Brooklyn tour, and it just was celebrating the great beer city that New York was and is becoming again. So that was a walking tour, really history-focused. It's still our most popular tour. And off that tour, we've become really uh, enamored with the craft beer scene here, and built other tours off of that as well, and uh, also see ourselves as a partner of the craft brewers in New York City in terms of getting word out, t- getting people to drink local, which is what we're all about, drinking and eating local, and um, and exposing both locals and visitors to the great beer scene that is uh, exploding here in New York. Absolutely.
1: So uh, the Dirk the Norseman Greenpoint Ale, they just opened up.
2: Last week, literally. And you, you
1: brought us some beer. What did you bring us?
2: So I stopped by there on the way over. And Cheers, guys. Cheers. And uh, Chris, the, the head brewer there, poured me uh, their English Mild, uh, which, is, uh, which is very good. It's very refreshing. it got a nice nutty, caramelly flavor to it. But uh, I think what was most significant for me was it's 2.9%. And as a beer historian, I kind of got excited about that, because that used to be how they made beer. Back in the 1800s, when people drank beer all day long, when people drank beer for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, they were drinking 2.9% beer. So I'm hopeful we can get back to those days with this one. So it's tasty, though. So
1: you're kind of a beer historian now, too, mm-hmm. aren't you? Mm-hmm. So what are some of the coolest parts of New York City for beer history?
2: Oh, my God, there's so much beer history in New York. Uh, people don't know this um, uh, you know, we always talk about Babe Ruth as one of the greatest New Yorkers ever. And the Yankee Stadium was the house that Ruth built. Well, really, it was Jacob Rupert, who was a brewer, who used his beer money to purchase Babe Ruth from the Boston Red Sox. And he's the one that built Yankee Stadium. So uh, it was a brewer behind that. So that's beer, great beer history. Um, there's a lot of old brewery buildings still scattered around the city today. Uh, we go to a few on our brewer in Brooklyn tour. Uh, there's one just not too far from here over on Bushwick Place and Meserole Street, the old Otto Huber Brewery that uh, is, is soon going to be uh, home to a new operating bar, beer bar itself, The Well. So um, there's a lot of beer history. And some of it is right under people's feet and they don't realize it. You know? I don't know if the people living at Schaefer Landing know that Schaefer Landing is made, named for Schaefer Beer Brewery that was there, before they put up those luxury condos, and there's still one building left with this great frieze of this hand holding a chalice of beer uh, that's on Kent Avenue. That's just a spectacular piece of beer history.
1: You know, when he's talking about beer, he's smiling. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he loves it. I've, I've used to do some tours in the East Village at Jimmy's Number 43, so I've known you for a few years. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, you've done a lot for beer, and. Uh, uh, so it's inevitable that you and I were going to work together. I think so. Well, cheers, man! Cheers to that.
1: Well, okay. So your tour is coming up on Saturday. How mm-hmm. does the tour work? So I buy online. Do I do I just show up and?
2: Yeah, you can go to. Um, no, you don't just show up. That won't work for you. You got to buy in advance. Uh, go to you can go to urbanoyster.com. We also just launched a couple of new sites: New York NYC Brewery and New com. Uh, You go to any of those sites. You can uh, go onto our system, reserve your tickets. We got five tickets left for Saturday's tour. Uh, The tours uh, will run every Saturday. uh, The public tours, or you can book a private tour. And if you want to book a private tour, you just email us through the website, and we can set it up any day of the week, really. So,
1: I mean, we got Clay Gordon's here. uh, Discover Chocolate, Clay. We you want to pair a. Chocolate with this uh, mild I've ale. Been, I've been I've been sitting here drinking <laughs> drinking the beer and tasting chocolate in the background. And you're not you're not sharing with us.
3: Well, no, it, it takes a while. It takes a while to figure this stuff out and know what's going on. Um, you know, one of the things that is uh, sort of counterintuitive for a lot of people is um, is using milk chocolate. And pairing with beers. Now, in particular, if you get a sort of an English pale ale style, which is very creamy, very warmy, very yeasty and bready, milk chocolate goes with that as well. But I have a chocolate um, from a craft chocolate maker down in Asheville, North Carolina, called French Broad. And the beans come from Nicaragua. But the flavor profile that the the maker, Dan Radigan, puts on this chocolate has to do with notes of caramel and burnt toast and butter and things like that. And um, in thinking about that and thinking about this beer... Um, the one from Eric, not Eric, I'm thinking Eric the Norseman, of course. Is, right. Right. I, that's the first thing that <laughs> comes got it on the brain team. now. Um, um, thinking about that and going with this, this um, beer, which has got this nutty flavor going to it. It's soft. And beer and chocolate go together, in my opinion, one of the reasons why it's easier to work with um, beer and chocolate as opposed to wine and chocolate. Has to do with the texture of the head of the beer, so you get warm and creamy and soft. That texture goes extremely well um, with the um, the texture of chocolate, but it mm. tastes good. And it ta- well, that's- you know, and, and it tastes good as well. I mean, it's a great thing about it is that it's a win-win all the way around. Now, some things work better than others, and that's something we're going to be exploring this evening at Jimmy's, because you know yeah. we leave here and we go straight to your place, and we're doing a um, five, four beers and four chocolates this evening as an exercise in learning how to pair. And that's going to be very, very interesting because I have I looked at the beer list this morning. I haven't actually tasted any of the beers yet. Um, I've tasted the chocolates. It's going to be fun to figure out how to put all the things together uh, and make them work for this evening.
1: Well, that's great. And thanks for being on the show. Throughout the show, as we taste different beers, uh, Clay is going to... Taste us on some chocolates. It's kind I of do. fun. Oh, nice. Yeah. You could do this at home, too. <laughs> <laughs> I do. <laughs> what do you buy, like 10 different chocolates and go nuts? You know,
3: uh, I'm very, very lucky in the sense that I don't actually ever really buy chocolate except when I'm doing a tasting for large people. I'll just show up at, at home one day and, oh, there's a package in front of my door because the, the postman or the UPS guy or FedEx guy has, oh, there's a box of chocolate that somebody has just sent me. It's a great. I mean, you can't really do that with beer. It's like, ooh, I'm just shipping beer. I've got a, a bottle of beer sitting on my front doorstep. But um, with chocolate, it happens all the time. So uh, I came back from a trip in October. I was gone for three weeks in London and Amsterdam, Milan and Paris. And I think I had 60 bars of chocolate that I came back with, uh, most of which were gifted to me by friends of mine in the chocolate business. So let's have more chocolate. Yeah, let's have more chocolate. All
1: right. And, we, and our, our other special guests, we've got uh, Basil and Kevin. Who are the f- founders of uh, Finback Brewery? Which, when you guys opened up, it was pretty exciting. I mean, I remember we had a, an event at Jimmy's Number Forty Three. Uh, welcome to the show. Okay, great. First, Thank let's you. toast you guys. Well, you know, you're not even the newest sure. brewery in New York City anymore. <laughs> I mean, isn't that crazy? So, so. um Dave, you said they, they were actually, you guys were opening time for New York City Beer Week. What did you say, what was the response uh, to Finback at the opening hey, night of New York City Beer these Week? These
2: guys had a huge line at their table. Their uh, double sesh beer was uh, what everyone was raving about all night long. We were at the table across the hall from you guys, so we got a lot of people coming over from Finback just telling us how, how great their beer was, so...
1: Let's, let's start, I'd, I'd like to, because you guys are a new brewery, there's so many new breweries in the last, last six months that have opened in New York. What was the process for you guys? I know you guys were award-winning home brewers, so how, how did you go from that to uh, opening a brewery?
4: Yeah, I think, I mean, the process for us was really, you know, kind of getting the beer bug a long time ago homebrewing and having uh, having a great time doing that and just being really engaged. There's a great home brewing community in New York City. And I think we had this kind of crazy dream at some point, which was really just like, let's open a brewery. Let's take it to the next step. And that was uh, about three and a half, four years ago. And we've really been kind of plugging away for that long. It took that long to make it work. Um, you know, looking at spaces took a long time. We actually, you know, really interestingly enough, we probably uh, – between Kevin and I, the both of us together, we probably saw 40 spaces, you know, all over the city, mostly Brooklyn, Queens, um, and we had a great building that we thought we were going to be in, and it was the old, it was on the old Rheingold site, and so when you talk about, you know, the history of New York City Brewing, it, it, it really does kind of connect through, but in the end, um, we ended up in, in Queens, we're in a, in a great spot, it's, um, it's in, in Glendale, which is basically Ridgewood. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's a big space. And, and we ended up there because we thought it would let us do a lot of the things that we wanted to do having space. You know, we're going to barrel age. We're going to do uh, some sour beers. And really just doing a kind of interesting tasting room concept. And, and, and having that space is going to be uh, really, really great for us to, to kind of do things.
1: What Do you guys have things like what, what are the things you're looking for, like parking or loading docks? or What are some of the things you look for when you're looking for a brewery?
5: Uh, sailing height is really important uh, out of all the buildings we saw um, that was that was one of the biggest issues with sailing height drain drainage um, and, and then the size of the space as well um, originally we were only looking for five thousand square feet but uh, ended up with thirteen thousand square feet and th- that 's definitely better for us because now we can expand and do more
1: things great um, you know and, and and Dave for you you know you 've been visiting a lot of breweries and things what are some questions you might have for these guys
2: well that's a great question i think the <laughs> <laughs> on the you smoke. know one of the trick one of the tricks of doing a brewery tour is asking different questions at each brewery so i think i think one of the questions um i always like to ask is uh what's the difference as you guys have transitioned from being home brewers into being commercial brewers what what's the, been the biggest difference for you in that transition
5: definitely scaling up the recipes that, that 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 was something uh you know that, that we're still getting used to and uh tr- still trying to dial in uh into our new system
4: yeah i think also it's um for for me a lot of it was just like you know the the, the core of it the kind of heart of it is very similar right the concept and the passion it's all pretty much th- the same but it's um it's kind of like just the, the the scale of everything, and and for us right now, because you know we're still we're still fitting out the space, we're still basically uh, originally we planned to have everything done you know step by step, and then in the end, they all kind of collapse together and we're kind of doing everything at once. And so you know, we launched in January, but you know, the tasting room's still not done, so' we're, we're building that out. You know little pieces of equipment aren't done, so we're doing that. and so trying to do. In some ways, everything at once has been the the challenge and the kind of uh, reward of it, right? And so we're running around all the time trying to do just a million things at once.
1: And did, did you guys do some innovative fundraising? How'd you come up with the money? So most of it, you know, we we really
4: wanted to, um, you know, f- part of it was really just that we we wanted to keep it pretty pretty close. So we went through friends and family. We got kind of investment through friends and family. And then we worked really hard, met with probably every bank in New York City. Uh, and luckily, someone uh, gave us a loan. And so we got a small business loan to kind of make up the, the difference. Um, and then we also did, you know, a Kickstarter campaign, which was for us really about, um, you know, we had, we had pretty much all the money we needed to, to at least, you know, uh, bare bones wise to like open the brewery. But we, we wanted to raise some money to, to get our sour program up and running. And so, you know, to buy barrels, to buy some extra equipment, to get a fooder. Um, and so we did a Kickstarter campaign, which was which was really awesome because people just want to support local breweries. And, and just having that kind of community aspect mm-hmm. to really kind of bring people in early on was great to us. And that, you know, and, and still people, you know. They kind of send us emails, keep in touch. You know, pe- people who support us in Kickstarter, and it's kind of like this this immediate community
1: that you can tap into, which was awesome. You know, I also saw you have the program, the community supported beer. Like that sounds cool. Community supported beer. How did you come up with that?
4: You know, it was we. You know, just like uh, CSAs, which um, you know they're they're cooler and cooler CSAs. I saw a fish CSA or a seafood CSA uh, two years back, and I just thought that was the greatest idea. And a
3: friend of mine in Portland, Oregon, does an ice cream oh, CSA. A she lot. she used the money in her first year to actually buy all the equipment necessary to make the ice cream, and now she, yeah, that's how she um, supports herself through the summer.
4: I think that that is and, awesome. I would credit it. That's a CSA I would get. You know, <laughs> I, I love ice cream, and I think uh, and and beer and ice cream are awesome too. But uh, yeah, exactly. And it was and it was another way for us to you know we have a big space. You know, the the community in the area it's like very residential where we are. And people were just really interested in kind of hey, when are you opening? What, what's going on? How can we get growlers? Um, and so again it was like another way, A, for us to to just kind of figure out how to get some money in the door and, and cash flow, but also to like kind of involve people and, and so they feel part of us and we feel, you know, part of the community and, and, and I thought, you know, it's um just kind of a fun thing to do.
1: All right. And uh, I know I've tried a few of your beers, the double cess, the IPA, the Porter, but you've got some new beers. What is this red beer? It's really good. Uh,
5: this is a red IPA. We really? have a
1: refill too. This is pretty good.
5: Uh, we call this Marduk. It's uh, 6.8. Marduk? Yeah. It's uh, named after the uh, Babylonian sun god. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's 6.8%. Um, it's not a rye um, IPA, it's just red. Uh, we used uh, Crystal 75 and chocolate to give it that deep red color. Uh, it's a so little you're not
1: more... afraid to say what malt you use? No, not at all. Some I... brewers won't tell you. <laughs>
5: <laughs> we're not those brewers. Yeah. I'll tell you everything. Um, but
3: is that a part of the homebrew ethic? You think people who come out of that?
5: Yeah, maybe because I, st- I think we still have that homebrew mentality. Absolutely. You know, um, we're really close to all our brewing buddies. You know, professional homebrewer alike, and um, you know, we're always experimenting and doing different things.
3: Try this chocolate over here. Rather than the first chocolate. So what chocolate? What chocolate goes with the red? Well, this is IPAs are always really very difficult to do Mm. because you've got this, you know, this piney resinousness. You've got, you know, often some fruit associated grapefruit or something similar like that. Um, And what I have here is a sixty-five percent chocolate. It's from a grower um, in Davao in the Philippines who also makes chocolate from his own beans. Um, this is a friend of mine through the Chocolate Life, which is this community that um, I run, and I met him here in New York um, a couple of a couple of months ago, or actually in San Francisco in January when he was at a trade show, and he said, "Here are some of my bars, float it, um, you know, tell me what you think." And so there's something about this that um, what it does, it sort of mellows the hoppiness of this, so it just it just really cuts that sharp edge and pulls it down, and for people who are often for people who. They like hoppy beers, but sometimes it's just a little bit over the top for them. Sometimes throwing some chocolate in the mix will, will tame it just a little bit and, and provide this wonderful um, complimentary flavor That's connection. Nice.
1: Yeah. But for you guys, for real, like you know, Kevin and Basil, I mean, you, you don't have any secrets, any secret recipes, you know. I mean, that double sass is pretty good. <laughs> I mean, how, was that one of your homebrew recipes? It was. That's something yeah. we've been doing
4: for for a, a while. Um, and, you know, kind of it was it was born from, you know, I used to travel actually to China pretty often for, for my day oh, job. And, uh, and we, you know, I always wanted to, you know, look for other things that we could brew with. Um, and so I would walk through the markets and just look at spices and things like that and got Szechuan peppercorns, brought them back. Uh, and just experimented with it. And, you know, and, and we tried to build something that was, you know, a wit that was that was dry, a little bit unique. Um, and, and so it's got Szechuan peppercorns, some ginger. Um, and it just kind of, you know, I think it's, it's, it's not cloying. It's not, you know, it's not too witty for some people. And, <laughs> and you know, but it's still t- kind know, of fun sounds to like drink, f- you know. It sounds
3: like a fabulous <clears> – it <throat> sounds like a fabulous – Pairing beer just generally—if yeah. you think about the, the the ginger and the Szechuan peppercorn and the other, thing, the other things that are going on in there—I I can just start imagining some of the flavors that it goes with. Right. It would be a lot of fun to a lot of fun to play with that way. For
4: sure. Actually, I just want to make one point. I think that was a great question, which is like, is that from the the kind of homebrew ethic that you mentioned? And I think that's something that uh, is really what we're about, you know. And I think that. We've talked to a lot of our friends who who are, you know, again, the New York City homebrewing community is just really, really very collaborative and really nice and, and supportive. And, you know, all these people, we were kind of the first to open a brewery out of that group in some ways. And, and people are, you know, oh, can we contract brewer can we do something? And our interest has been, you know, or we've been kind of thinking about doing something. We, we don't have a name for it yet, but maybe something called like Finback Lab or something where it was like really kind of bringing in our buddies and being able to to do what we did before which is to put our heads together kind of bring something unique to the table that, that's more than the sum of its parts
3: right, right. and i want to make the ultimate something. i want to make the ultimate chocolate pairing beer with you guys yeah, it's a, a, oh a, absolutely if you open it up i'm there
2: okay great great well i think something we should point out about these guys and you guys could speak to this too is that you know and this has been a problem historically too is new york is a tough city to open a brewery in uh, there's a lot of expenses a lot of red tape and um One of the reasons we've lagged behind other cities like Denver and San Diego and Portland is because of the sheer expense and obstacle in opening a physical brewery. So every physical brewery that opens up like these guys really opens up a world of opportunity, not just for them but for everybody, and it's it's an important investment for the community. I think it's it's worth noting.
4: Yeah, absolutely.
1: That's great. And I'll tell you what, that's a great – we're going to come back after this break, and we're going to talk more about that. Thanks, David, and thanks to our sponsors, greatbrewers.com. They bring you a lot about beer community. All right. All right. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. Okay. Today's music is by Hard Bodies on HeritageRadioNetwork.org.
0: which includes a GPS beer finder, a beer sommelier, and descriptions for over 5,000 different brews. What are you waiting for? Back up that passion for craft beer with some solid information and education. Visit greatbrewers.com today.
1: Hey, 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Brought here at Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn, hanging out with Finback Brewery, and Urban Oyster, and Discover Chocolate. And you can tweet everybody, just go at something, at Discover Chalk, at Finback Brewery, at Urban Oyster, and at Beer underscore Sessions. Um, There's a little bit of beer news I want to throw out there. Uh, a couple weeks ago, our good friends, Wendy Littlef- Littlefield and Don Feinberg, uh, they sold their portfolio, uh, Van Bergen DeWolf, to total beverage uh, so that's a little change in the beer world. It's great. They've done such a great job of over 30 years building their brands from Saison DuPont and, and so many others that we love. And I want to give a shout out to Wendy and Don. Great job. Congratulations. And uh, in New York, we just met the rep, Mike Battaglia, who's a. Uh, Taking over it with total beverage they 're going to have the same same brands out there uh, a, a different importer but um, just con- congratulations to you because you know we all talk about starting businesses and everything and to be able to build a you know, an import portfolio over thirty years and uh, it's just great that people respect what you're doing. Don and Wendy, congratulations, and uh, thanks so much for all you did for the, the beer community. All right, so uh, Dave from Urban Oyster, he, he was just asking a question. Uh, Finback Brewery, one of the newest breweries in New York City. Dave, what was your question again? You, they must have a, a tough time opening breweries. Is that what you're saying? It,
2: it, it's tough to open a brewery in New York, so I'd love to hear these guys talk about you know, what it, it took to, to do this because it's no, it's no easy task. And uh, one of the reasons that uh, we've lagged behind Denver and Portland and places like that is that it is so expensive to make beer. It's also why the historic breweries closed, too. So, you know, it's still a relevant thing to talk about. So it would be good to hear from you guys about how you faced that and overcame it.
4: Well, I think, I mean, first of all, I think on the on the regulatory side, I think that New York State and, and New York City in general have really been supportive. I think they've really gotten behind um, just the, the, the kind of, brewery cidery kind of beverage community um, and and, and helped out and really see it as a both an asset in terms of revenue and and tourism to the state Um, so the you know the whole farm kind of brewery or farm cidery license I think was a a great thing Uh, and that's a way to support both the the kind of host and the manufacturers of of beer and cider but also you know the growers and, and trying to really build up you know local kind of hop farms and maltsters and and local kind of suppliers to these things, which has been great. Um, And then I think, you know, like you said, the the cost is the biggest, biggest kind of hurdle, I'd say, you know, New York is, uh, when we were looking for space, you're competing with people who want to develop condos out of, Run down warehouses, and so that, you know that was a big thing, right? And, and you can't compete or a bar for that matter. you, know, you We're a manufacturing business, right? It's, like, it's a factory and you can't compete with a, a bar or a, or a luxury condo. Um, and then, and then even just things like getting deliveries in New York, you know simple things are always you know things that you have to think more about and, and coordinate about. And so all of these things kind of add up, but I think we always knew we wanted to be in New York City. You know originally it was in Brooklyn. Queens, any borough, and, you know, we we feel like New York City is is where we want to be. It's where we want to live. It's where we want to kind of be a part of the culture here, um, and and that was so important. And I think that ultimately, even you know, even if you could, you know, it, it, New Jersey's not that far, but New York City is New York City.
1: Kevin, you want to say anything? <laughs> yeah. He just shook his head. He's he's awesome. Well, the next beer is is the smoke porter. It's the puffin smoke porter. So when did you come up with that recipe, and and why the name puffin?
5: Well, it's a smoke porter, so I I thought it was kind of funny that you know we called it
1: the puffin.
2: But um, did you think of the bird, or is it no reference
1: to the bird? Whatsoever? Is it puffing like smoking? Puffing yeah, stuff. like smoking. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. It's a play on words. Yeah.
5: <laughs> But, um, yeah, it's a simple beer it's six point eight percent you know lots of chocolate some black malt, a little roast, um, just a little bittering hops but uh
1: no it's not and, and especially just uh, out of your little growler, it was real smoky in the first you know smell uh clay, you have a, a chocolate for smoky beers, you, you know actually
3: at this point what i would what I would say is that um. There are some smoky chocolates out there in the world. It's generally considered to be a defect. What happens is is that the beans are dried over fires and the smoke is smoke flavor gets absorbed. By, um, gets absorbed by the, the cocoa butter. Now, I don't actually have one of those today. If I'd known you were doing a smoked beer, I would have bought one of them. Um, there's a French chocolate. So, you maker. have
1: defective chocolates. <laughs>
3: well, it's it's generally considered to be a defect, but it's one of those things where sometimes it really works. Um, there's a French chocolate maker, uh, by the name of Stefan Bonat, who works with beans from Indonesia, and he's got three dark milk chocolates. So, they're 65% chocolates, but they contain milk, right? And all of them are from Indonesia. So they're from the same general geographic area, but all of them have this slight flavor smoke profile. But they're all milks. But what I have here is another French chocolate. It is a milk chocolate. And what happens here again is um, we're looking to to complement the smokiness here. What doesn't happen, um, unfortunately, because... This chocolate was really not made for it is that there's um a little you bit know, of this David
1: m- from Urban Urbanize just took two pieces of
3: chocolate so <laughs> I, I took two we pieces. we, 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 we <laughs> you know there's no need to apologize for you know taking taking all that chocolate, and we applaud um, the instinct uh, to go but um the bittering what what happens for me is that um, the the chocolate goes well with the smoked flavor of the beer, but what 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 happens is is you've got the bitter on the back end. Um, which comes through afterwards, and I think that if there was a smoky chocolate, it would go better with the bittering on the the back end of the, of the beer but it's a nice it's a nice flavorful combination you know I, it's like you know uh, you know some people will say you know you know you know white chocolate isn't chocolate or milk chocolate isn't chocolate. you've got that the movie sideways. Where um, the Paul <laughs> Giamatti character yeah. says, "If anybody orders Merlot, I'm leaving." Right? Um, there's the stigma against certain kinds of chocolates. Are the same kind of? Is this the same kind of stigma about certain kinds of beers? Like, you, well, it's a light beer. If you like light beer, you're not really a beer lover, or something like that. I mean, is, I, I I don't know. I, it's,
4: it's, I think there there definitely is. I think for me there isn't. Right? I think that. Um you know, you think about – and in, in anything, right? There's a you – know, people have preconceived notions and, and kind of they, they come at it whether it's because they really feel that way or whether it's because they think they should feel that way. I, I think it's um,
2: because you have you have mass producers in all industries. So you have mass produced beer, mass produced chocolate, mass produced whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, and for whatever reason, the mass producers went with sweet milk chocolates. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the same thing in uh, the U.S. is like the mass producers went with
3: this light, light American lagers, yeah. lager. Do you know why the you know why the mass producers went with um, sweet milk chocolate? I do not. Cheap. Oh yeah, sugar That's is cheaper than cocoa, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. right? right. And milk right. Is Which cheaper is actually, actually
2: the why the brewers went with light lagers too. It was cheaper to make those beers. You know. Yeah. So, but I mean, you know, it has scared people away. It has scared craft brewers away from making a good craft brewed like light lager. Light lager. And sort of like one of those gaping holes in the craft beer industry that there isn't... You know,
1: I just got in today, I, I from uh, I got a delivery of Bell's uh, Lager something, Lake Lager. And uh. I haven't tried it yet, but I don't know if anyone has tried. If anyone is a fan of Bell's, uh, Twitter us at, at beer underscore section. Let me know, is the is the Lake Lager good? Because I got one keg and I'm going to put it on draft this week.
2: Yeah, but I think a lot of craft brewers are scared to make that beer because... There's this association with mass production. So.
1: Well,
3: and and in the well, craft chocolate world in the United States, there aren't a whole lot of milk chocolates coming out of the craft
1: chocolate right, world, right. which is which is a travesty because they're when they're done well, they're fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. I like all chocolate. Let's, let's get more specific. Okay, so Kevin and Basil, you guys are – it's basil or basil? It's basil. I have problems with pronunciation. But you guys have a brewery. What did you guys do today? Tell us <laughs> like what you did because I want to know exactly what you guys do.
5: Uh, today we're
4: actually replacing uh, – the floor drains. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was not that interesting of a day, but um, basically, well, that's yeah. interesting,
1: So <laughs> Why did you have to replace the floor drains? Uh,
4: so, well, so these are these are some of the headaches of trying to open a brewery. Basically, we had you know we had a drain, and you know I think sometimes, let's say people, certain things weren't done right the first time, um, and and so we had to go in and make sure it was done right the second time, and so you know we're we're almost done so with what,
1: it. What goes down the drain though? Like wastewater or what?
4: Wastewater, you know, uh, wort, lots of, you know, just, I mean, most of it, lots of water. You know, you're cleaning all day long. You're you're basically, I mean, that's that's most of it. You're cleaning, cleaning, cleaning. So it's just a ton of water, beer, you know, water. Well, here's the
1: thing about, I know our friends, Wandering Star, when they were first trying to open their brewery mm-hmm. in Massachusetts, each different city had different requirements for, you know, where their, where their wastewater would go. Did you have that issue in New York or did you just have an existing commercial drain? And
4: We have an existing commercial drain and, and it goes into the municipal sewers. I mean, I think for, for us and, you know, at least, at least my understanding, you know, all of the kind of um, R-scale breweries in New York and even even the largest breweries, I mean, we're all relatively small. And the amount of wastewater in the grand scheme of things compared to other kind of industries, other kinds of manufacturing is relatively innocuous and relatively kind of the, 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 the sewer system here is equipped to handle it. Um, but I know that in certain other places where they're, they're the sewer system, the infrastructure is not as well kind of built, let's say, and there are you know there are other more concerns where people would have to you know have holding tanks or you know or things like that or or if you're in more so kind like of the sensitive, the
1: pH has to be a certain right exactly. So how do the holding tanks work? in some I think it's like the pH has to be a certain level before you can release
4: it. Yeah. So some of it is is pH and kind of you know whatever's in the water, chemical compounds, things like that. But you know some of it is also just the speed. And so they don't want you to release X amount of water into the sewer at once. And so, you know, there's some smaller breweries I know in, in Long Island where it's just the sewer can't handle it. And so they hold it, and then they have to release it at a slower rate throughout, you know, throughout the day or the week. So it's not like you're just, you know, sending thousands of gallons of water into the, into the sewer.
1: So it's something that's, that, that's an advantage of New York City, that there's great infrastructure I'd of, say of so. sewer at and our, water. And
4: yeah, I'd say at our scale,
1: yeah. Do you for guys sure. do you guys treat
2: your water at all?
4: Uh, just, when we, you know, for brewing, we do very little to it. We filter it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we carbon filter it. You know, in terms of changing the chemistry of it, very rarely.
2: Yeah, I, I think that's one of the biggest things about New York is all the New York City breweries just trying that New York City tap water, which is so good. Yeah. 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 So what
1: What do you guys think the best beer, best style of beer that can be made with New York water? It's a general statement, but. <laughs>
4: You know, I think I think it's so versatile. I mean, I think, I mean, I'd say any, you know, like an IPA, any ales, I mean, I think that th- those are really, you have no problems. You don't have to do anything. You know, with darker beers, you know, maybe you kind of adjust a little bit as necessary, but really any of the kind of, you know, IPAs or most of the things that are a little lighter, you know, not as much a kind of dark malts, I think the water is... Ideal.
1: So maybe th- that, with the water and some other the, the benefits in New York City, maybe New York City really is a great place to make beer. How about that? <laughs> <Cheers> <laughs> to All that. right, cheers. cheers to that. You guys Absolutely, are making my day, yes. and you're gonna you're gonna make Urban Oysters tours even better. So hey, we'll take another short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio.
0: This one's called Jepson Creek by the Hollows. You're listening to Beer Sessions Radio on Heritage Radio Network.
1: Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Thanks to our sponsor, greatbrewers.com, a comprehensive website aimed at bringing the beer community together. And if you want to tweet us at at beer underscore sessions, go for it. And and at heritage underscore radio, there's all these things. But really, thanks, heritageradionetwork.org. You can become a member at any time. And uh, there's a lot of special events coming up uh, for members. So heritageradionetwork.org. Check it out. There's more than 20 shows, including a cheese show, which is one of my favorites, Cutting the Curd. And uh, Michael Harlan Kells, the food scene, was just on earlier. So here we are, Beer Sessions Radio on, uh, I call it the Food NPR. This is Heritage Radio Network. Uh, most of the shows are about food, food related. And uh, it's worth checking out. All right, so we got Finback Brewery, we got Discover Chocolate, and we got Urban Oyster. So we're talking about they opened a new brewery in Queens they, before they talk about fixing the drains today. So, day to day life of a brewer. What are you guys going to do tomorrow? At work at your brewery, Kevin, because he seems to be the guy that knows what's going on. Uh, yeah, t- no,
5: Tomorrow uh, we're, we're going to uh, start some uh, some more work on the uh, the tap room um, that which I wish was done a few months ago. But <laughs> uh, yeah, we're, we're going so to try to so like
1: as part of the rollout. So you said you guys you got the brewery open first, and now you're working on the, is the tasting room. The tasting yeah, the room. tasting room. Now, how does that work, license wise? Is that the same? It's part of the same brewery. You can have a tasting room. Yeah. Or is it a separate license?
4: Well, it's um. So basically, you can you can have a tasting room. You know, the 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 regulations are pretty um, clear in terms of like what you can do serving tastings. You know, a lot of that is you know free tastings, and that's how a lot of um a lot of breweries have done it. And then you know, and then it then it's a separate license if you want to do more of a kind of you know tavern on a, on a brewery premises kind of thing. So then, you know, to do more um, tours and 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 kind of uh, bigger pours and things like that. But I think, you know, for for our day-to-day in terms of tomorrow, you know, I think it's going to be, unfortunately, it's going to be attacking those drains again. Um, but we're going to be, you know, we, our day-to-day is like we do, we try to do sales once a week at least, um, which is so important. And and the thing that is the, the easiest for us not to do because we're just too busy. But, you know, we brew uh, once a week. We'll package usually about once a week. Um, and then there's a lot of... You know, in between, which is trying to paint another wall, trying to put some legs on some tables, trying to, you know, trying to figure out QuickBooks so that we can do our taxes before April 15th. And it's all these little things that, you know, you're not doing when you're homebrewing, but you, you have to do when you open a business.
1: So with David's uh, Urban Oysters, when would you guys be ready for uh, his tour to visit your brewery?
4: I think we're on the schedule May 4th is I that think right so yeah, yeah. start in may yeah yeah and so we're we're gonna be you know even if we don't have every wall painted we're definitely gonna welcome the urban oyster crew we're gonna have beer ready to go it's gonna be cold and delicious and uh, and and you know we can there's a lot to see you know it may not be um as pretty as we want but i think it's i think we'll be ready you know by april
1: you know we for years we loved going to some of the good Brazil bars in new york what was called in the tasting rooms For breweries, But now, with all the great breweries in New York City, it seems like that's the coolest thing to do, right? Go to a brewery and uh, taste beer. Well, hey, I mean, so many breweries are
2: opening up. Uh, Queens and Brooklyn keep leapfrogging each other for the most breweries (laughs) now. I mean, when these guys opened, they made Queens the biggest beer brewing borough. And just last week, Brooklyn tied them back again. So (laughs) fierce competition going on. But, yeah, I mean, so many little breweries opening up. So many people in New York have no awareness of this either. So, uh, you know, part of our mission is to get the word out and let people in New York know there are all these great little breweries opening up, and you can visit them, you can taste their beer, you can buy growlers, you can buy t-shirts, you can really engage and support them.
1: So, you told us you have a tour every Saturday now, right, Mm Dave? That's right. So, what's the tour for next Saturday? Which breweries are you visiting? So,
2: actually, next Saturday is canceled. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) But the following Saturday, I don't have my schedule in front of me, but we, we always start the tour and end it in Manhattan so we've worked out a relationship with paul anner the german brewery who's opened a brew house on the bowery we start there good german food good german beer uh and then we go to two outer borough breweries you guys Um, have a bus yep we have a we have like a little luxury van that we take out uh and then uh, we always end at 508 uh on the west side of manhattan at, at 508 gastro brewery but um I don't know who April 5th is. I'm just sort of guessing here because. Let's talk about Polliner. That was a surprise to me. I, gone. I was yeah.
1: walking down the Bowery and I saw Polliner from Germany has opened a brew pub. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty cool. I mean, but they're also part of like the New York City Brewers Guild. So even though they're from Germany, they're really a New York City brewery.
2: So Pauliner is one of the great historical breweries, founders of the Doppelbach style. I mean, there's so much history there behind Pauliner goes back to you know like a lot of German breweries dates back to being an abbey for monks um, but they have uh, they have, have a brew house business which has been big in Asia so that there's dozens of them on through China, Australia Southeast Asia but this is their first North American brew house and if you go there all the beer they serve is made right right there on the Bowery. Um, They have a brewer on premises. All the beer, the really cool thing about all their beer is none of it's filtered. So it's going straight from the bright tanks right into the taps. Uh, So you don't think you can go out and get a Paul Anner and a bottle in the store and have the same experience. I mean, this is fresh beer. It's really well made. The recipes are even slightly different to account for. It's kind of like the 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 game's
1: changing. Yeah. Yeah. What do you guys think about that? I mean, you guys are local guys with a small brewery. what that? How do you feel about international companies coming in and opening little brew pubs in New York?
5: I think it's great. Uh, I'm, I'm dying to go and check it out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the more beer, the better.
1: Yeah, our friend Dan Paquette from Pretty Things was here last week, and the one thing he didn't get to do was he wanted to go to the Polliner Brewhouse and actually see what equipment they used. So that was his question. I heard
4: it's pretty fancy. Yeah. And I heard it was all shipped, well, obviously shipped over here from, I think, Germany. From and they Germany. actually had all the technicians come from Germany to install it. Because um, I think I think the guy who set up our boiler or something was the same guy who set up their boiler. And so we kind of got the inside scoop. But, um, I mean, I, I think it's great, too. I think that ultimately New York City is its a big city. There are like 25... I can't remember twenty five thousand bars and restaurants in the city or something, something like, like that, that. Yeah. Give or you take. know give or take <laughs> and I think that you know people are ultimately you know there are a lot of craft beer drinkers, but there are more and more each day I think people are discovering you know the the difference and they're demanding it and they're you can and, also
1: and, go you can go one day to a brew pub one day to a bar one day to a cocktail bar one day to a restaurant. absolutely you know?
4: and we don't want everyone to drink New York's awesome guys it, it, it's, it's <laughs> you know right we're preaching to the choir but it's like you know i i, I support all you know our our buddies so how is it so and, I mean, we
1: know that the polliner guys they they definitely came in with a decent budget for a brew pub yeah how is what they're building different than what you're making in terms of equipment,
2: I haven't been in there yet, but I, th- I, I can say, knowing both breweries, that Finback's brewery is larger. Um, so the, the brewery over at Paulaner is fairly small scale, and it's never going to grow. It's only going to be in that space because they're only serving beer for the restaurant. So um, it, it's prettier at Paulaner. You know, <laughs> like they got the copper kettles and everything. So, but uh, I mean, literally, their their brewing tanks are in the middle of the restaurant, so it's got to be pretty. Um but uh, but other than that, I mean, it's the same stuff. I mean, it's a brew kettle people it's, really it's make beer there It's not just like a show tank, it's you know. not just for show like they actually are making beer there they're actually making beer there, yeah, and you learn that on the tour you meet the brewer Andres, who's a great guy, so yeah, yeah. Right.
4: that's exciting. I think more beer in New York City right fresh beer is is delicious beer, yeah
2: I think New York is a huge untapped market, and what we're seeing now with all these breweries opening in the last year and a half is simply the realization of that untapped market, that, that you know, there are 8.5 million people living in the city of New York. A lot of them are beer drinkers. A lot of them drink Stella or Heineken or Corona or Bud. Um, even if they're craft beer drinkers, maybe some of them have been limited to Sierra Nevadas and, and um, you know, your founders and other out-of-state brewers who are all great, but, you know, uh, what we try to... Convert people to on our tours is drink local, and uh, local is where it's at. The freshest beer is the best beer, uh, and uh, we have all this uh, great beer being made right inside the city limits. If you go outside the city limits, within a hundred mile radius, there's a stunning amount of beer being
3: made. So, I
2: mean, we live in a, we live in a great part of the country for beer.
3: And not only is it a stunning amount of beer, but the quality. Of the beer i mean i 've been involved in this i mean Jimmy I you know first came on beer sessions three four years ago, and that was my first real you know between you and um, the sessions that I was doing at, at jimmy 's with um Kuzme and with Mary I mean just just the range and the quality of stuff has improved so remarkably over the last couple of years it's just really really a testament just how hard working I mean in the chocolate business it's the same it's the same kind of thing you really need to have you know 10,000 hours you need to put in mm-hmm. the effort you need to have that experience so you know, we're now seeing um, on the worldwide chocolate scene all of these small craft chocolate makers in North America who've now been producing for five years, and that's your ten thousand hours. hours? That's, that's your ten thousand hours. Damn! <laughs> and it's it's really, I mean, the 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 quality of work that's being done here um, that I've seen um, as a judge at the International Chocolate Awards and places like that in the last year or two—it's just remarkable and astounding, yeah. just how you know if the french will get down off their high horse same but you way.
1: think like yeah. do you think that chocolate and beer are a natural pairing and it's for 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 pubs and restaurants they should do chocolate and beer pairing it's, it's, an it's a lot easier to do than wine it's
3: a lot easier to do than wine it's because you don't have i mean part of it is that the fermentation profiles of chocolate and
1: um, beer are much closer to each other so yeah it's 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 a lot of fun oh, that's awesome and and then for for kevin and basil so you guys, now that you have a small brewery, and I know that you've been in the beer scene for a while as home brewers. I, I know Josh Bernstein, he included you in some of his, his tours. So yep. You've been recognized as, as top home brewers as well. But for, for our listeners, the places, what are the top places that, that you're targeting to sell your beer to in New York City? Because people like to come to New York and visit the beer bars.
4: And I think for sure, you know, I think you know, we were super excited to be launching at at your place at Jimmy's, right? And and that's uh, that's definitely where we want to be, and places like that, right? Um, I think every borough is seeing more and more uh, great beer bars in New York City. Isn't it? You know, in the past few years, it's just
1: well, pick like five that that are your accounts you're selling to. Right all
4: now. right, I would say um, Jimmy's. I think ABC Beer Company. Yeah. I think. Um, Owl Farm in Brooklyn is great. Um, I'd say not a beer bar, but Queens Kickshaw is a great place. Great Astoria. place. Um, you know, just really fun list. Not a big list and not a not a beer, not a bar, but just it's a great list. Great food. List. To great go great with food, beer, yeah. Um, and what else? Drop-off service. Drop-off service. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, one away. of my wow. favorites. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Great, so those are places that you, if you're coming to New York in the next few weeks, you would be able to find. Family. Yeah. I know we have the IPA on now, and I know, I'm know sure we're getting a delivery this week from you guys. But some of the, the beers you tried tonight, so the, the Red IPA, what's the name of it again? Marduk. The Marduk is great, so I, I'd had the Double Cess, the Smoke Porter, and the IPA. And now we're looking, you have the Red coming out. And what are the, some of the other beers that are coming out in the next month that we can look forward to trying in New York City?
5: Uh, we're, we're go- we have a Session IPA in the fermenter right now. And um, an imperial stout uh, that that was brewed with uh, cacao nibs
4: and uh, coffee from a lo- local coffee roaster. And so, and that was—I mean—I think there's an interesting story. that's called BQE, and the idea is that you know we we the brewery is now in in Queens. Kevin and I are both from Brooklyn, um, and so we we took an ingredient from Brooklyn, which was the the chocolate, an ingredient from Queens from a local roaster. Um, Who was the brought, chocolate maker? It was Mass Brothers. Oh,
1: dude, that's fancy.
4: <laughs> and then Native Coffee Roasters in Queens—they're small, um, but doing awesome stuff.
2: Really fun, interesting stuff.
1: All right, and Dave, want to add anything? Uh, well, you'll
2: be able to visit their tour on our uh, their brewery on our tours in May, so definitely. Check out so our it's
1: what Oysters dot com. That's the best Oyster. way to yeah. go.
2: Yeah. Yep, you can go on there and see the New York City brewery tour. All right,
1: and Clay, anything else going on with Discover uh, Chocolate tonight. We've Jimmy's got number th- Jimmy's number forty three. And last the, week you did a, a chocolate tasting at Burb
3: Castle. Yeah, I did uh, something for Liquid Lent, which is this fabulous as forty days of beer in, <laughs> in New York City. Um, I was I was really really happy to be able to kick off. It's fun whenever you walk into some place. You got a dozen beers you've never tasted before. You got as a dozen chocolates in your bag, and you're trying to say, okay, which ones are going? With which beers, it's always a challenge, I and mean, you have you know twenty minutes before people are showing up, and let's make it go. So um, I'm looking forward to this evening, um, coming up with some really original. No, really you did original a very beers. unique format. So you have you're doing
1: first, you're doing what
3: three beers with one chocolate. Yeah, we're doing actually we're going to start off doing um, three beers and one chocolate. It's really all about understanding how flavor um, changes. So if you ch- if you taste the same beer with different chocolates, your perception of the beer and your perception of the chocolate will change. And then we're doing um, one cho- one beer and three chocolates. So we're doing the reverse of them. So we're doing four beers and four chocolates. And the idea is not to say, hey, I'm the expert here and these two things go together. You should taste the two things together. Yummy, yummy, yummy. Because I, I can guarantee you that with the list of beers that we're serving this evening, which is I mean, a great list of beers, but it's all over the map in terms of styles. Um, with the chocolates that I found, there are going to be some things which are more successful than others. Awesome,
1: thanks, yep. Clay and uh, Finnback. When is your tasting room going to open? In 2014, definitely.
4: <laughs> That's the million dollar question. I think I think we are um, our goal. We're going to open kind of growler hours for sure in April, and and I think we're going to have the tasting room open by May, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna do a party and kind of some like an opening thing, and I hope it's going to be early May. You know, and, and we. Right. I'll yeah. tell
1: you what. You guys, all thanks for coming on the show. Quick shout out about some special events right now going on in the East Village and Lower East Side. If you're visiting New York, Liquid Lent. It's, I think it's 47 days of beer. Uh, there's seven establishments: Burp Castle, Jimmy's Number 43, ABC Beer Company. Malt and Mold Top Hops and Eastwood and DVA East Village the good part was I visited all of them yesterday and I drank beers (laughs) at each of them it's hashtag liquid Lent but you know everyone's got their Mardi Gras I don't know what Mardi Gras is but I'll tell you what for me Lent is how so many of the great beers that we love were made by the monks from Doppelbox Uh and and Abbey Doubles and Triples so if you really love beer Lent is the time to drink good beer and it's also like the end of winter so you can drink your dark beers Doubles Doppelbox what would you guys drink for Lent if you had to. Hey man, historically
2: the Doppelbox and the stronger beers were made by the monks for the fasting season because they wouldn't eat but instead they would drink beer and that was their caloric intake. So. And, and
1: shout out to our buddy at Bruvana. Check him out last year. He's the guy that lived uh, in Lent on beer alone. Oh. So he inspired us. There you go. <laughs> Alright. Nice. And then another thing coming up, uh, a lot of Heritage Radio Network hosts will be there including Michael Harlan Turkel uh, from the food scene and me uh, Jimmy Carboni. It's the Second annual New York City Hot Sauce Expo. And full disclosure, I'm a co-founder and producer. So that's the New York City Hot Sauce Expo. It's uh, March 29th and 30th uh, near Penn Station in Manhattan. 45 hot sauce vendors from around the country. Pretty cool event. A lot of things going on in New York City. And I'd like to thank our sponsors at greatbrewers.com who helped to bring you this podcast tonight. Thanks to Dave, Kevin, Basil, and Clay for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carbone. Thanks to our producers, Maggie Seiden and Justin Kennedy, our engineer, Evan DeVito. Thanks for listening, we'll see you next time on Beer Assassins Radio. All right. Yeah.
0: Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes Store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio.